Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. It's a really cozy day here in Portland. It's very gently raining down, and we're going to have a very peaceful meditation where I get to talk most of the time today because (laughs) we are going to talk about inner child work and We did a meditation the other night, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my meditation and what I experienced during that time because I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And it's also a little bit personal. So if you're not embarrassed, I'm not embarrassed. Just use this information wisely and don't talk about me in a bad way on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to go online and start like this campaign of Katie Bowers into inner child meditation. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. Okay. So I'm just, I'm, we're going to be talking about inner child work, like I said. And, um, I thought it would be really interesting to actually hear like an actual experience of one, because I think like, and maybe you're the same. I think we're the same. And that sometimes when people are talking about exercises to do or things that'll help you or like, Phrases like dropping into your heart or like meditating or like feeling out your intuition. You're like, okay, I get it. I get that. But what does that actually look like maybe in your experience? And I like to hear what it looks like in everybody's experience. So maybe I can give you like one insight into what it looks like for me and then maybe what it looks like for Joe. I'm excited to hear this too, because honestly, I don't really know what you're going to say right now (laughs) or like, you know, this was your idea to like do this. And I know you had this really like cool experience with your inner child meditation. I'm excited to talk about it too. Yeah, me too. I'm also really like that we're going to get practical because like you said, I feel like people don't tend to not get practical enough. And I, I love hearing about like real humans actually doing real experiences and what happened to them. And yeah, Yeah, me too. It'll be beneficial to you guys listening too. So I'm going to be probably going back and forth between reading and then maybe explaining. So if it sounds like I'm reading sometimes, I am, because I'm reading from my journal. So what happened is the other night, uh, it was like about nine, and sometimes we're like, hey, let's do a meditation tonight. And That's like fairly it's, rare. I it's think. rare. It's not <laughs> like we're like, wow, we're so enlightened that we're going to do a meditation. <laughs> Actually, sometimes when one of us suggests it, the other person's like, okay, like, I know it would be good for me, but like, you have to basically carry me through this. So yeah. I don't have the energy for it. But we were watching um, a show, like, I don't remember what it was, but it was basically talking about like inner child work and meditation. It was, it was talking about, oh, it was talking about something called timeline therapy, where you basically go back, you identify a limiting belief. And so if you don't know what a limiting belief is, it's like, uh, I'm bad at math or I always fail or I'm never going to be have enough money or I don't know, those or kind like of things. Girls don't like me or, or boys don't like me or, or all guys are dicks or yeah. I'm really, I'm too emotional. Uh-huh. So those are limiting beliefs uh, because obviously they're limiting you. There's something that you've picked up along the line. They could, they could be true, but it could be because of what you've experienced, but you could also like, experience the opposite of that and a different truth could be true for you. So, so basically what you're supposed to do is you, you go and you identify a limiting belief and you think about when you may have gotten it 
And then you're supposed to go back, air quotes, to that time, visit that event, and release it in some way. So that's what this program we were watching was talking that's about. That's timeline, timeline therapy. Timeline okay. therapy, yeah. We, so this is how we were kind of primed. And I think we were thinking about that and like, hey, let's try to do a meditation tonight, maybe where we do this, or maybe where we do inner child work. Yeah, yeah. And we were we didn't really have a lot of constraints. We're like, let's let's just see what happens. Let's just put on really nice music and lay on the floor. So what we did is we <laughs> basically were like, okay, let's do this for 45 minutes. We have like a playlist of kind of spa music. Actually, I think on Apple Music, it's literally called Spa Music, Yeah, the album. And then we like, we put it on and then you can put a sleep timer on actually for 45 minutes. And in 45 minutes, the music will just stop. So you know when to attend. It's cool technology. And so uh, we laid on the floor, we got blankets and a pillow and laid on our rug uh, and turned the lights down low, lit some candles, kind of made it really ceremonial. And then basically just had the intention to relax and breathe and listen to the music. And then if anything came up or we felt like doing anything or we wanted to think about something, maybe direct our thoughts to a limiting belief or the past or just like feeling good. I think yeah. we were, we were also saying that you could also feel a mantra or say, I don't know. I don't know. We're not experts, Yeah. but we were like, let's just see what happens. I think that's like actually a really important part. I wanted to say something this. too. I, I think like we, we meditate almost every day, but we don't always do like a big ceremony like Katie's describing oh, right yeah. now, you know, where we light candles and do all this stuff. But I will say that the times that we do actually like stop what we're doing, kind of tidy up, make the lights a little lower, put on music. Like we make the times that we make a ceremony out of it. Those times are always so powerful. They I, are. I think it's like, I don't know, something about changing your environment, changing your mood, changing like even how your place looks in some way kind of helps me anyways to shift into like a different mindset, mm -hmm. you know, break, like kind of just breaks you out of your normal everyday mindset. Sometimes it's hard to meditate when you're sitting, like for us, sitting in my apartment and it's like kind of messy. It's hard to like get the motivation to close my eyes and go and do some deep inner work mm -hmm. when I can like see clutter in the yeah. corner or like when I, whatever, I can see my dirty dishes in the kitchen, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So I think, especially when you're first doing this, making everything a little bit more like ceremonial cleaning things up, making like a nice, beautiful space for yourself. Even if it's a small little corner, even if it's just like a matter of going and sitting in your chair in the corner and making a tea to go with it or whatever, like and putting a blanket on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get nice and cozy, but like, seriously, just anything you can do to kind of establish, okay, this time is going to be like different from the rest of my time. I think that that's really helpful for us. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. So right before this all happened, I had this realization, like kind of like hit me like a lightning bolt that I have a huge limiting belief um, that I've, that it seems so obvious now, but like I was kind of like hiding from and it's the limiting belief that no one really likes me or no one would really like me if they knew who I really was. So that sounds like really dark, but I guess that is like an underlying limiting belief yeah, I that I have pretty common, that no, you know. I don't, I think I believe that no one really likes me. And so I keep that hidden. And so, uh, let's see. How did you I'm, have that, that realization? I don't know. It just popped in my head. Yeah. I think that's like 
because we were we were talking about limiting beliefs and and watching that show and I was just thinking like what what is I don't know I don't know what I was even thinking I think that it really just popped into my head and I I immediately like was like oh my gosh I need to write this down so I wrote it down in my in my notes um I have like a note on my phone for kind of quick notes and then I have a journal where I like journal more about those like small bullet point notes mm-hmm. so I can like get all of that out but um I have written also I feel like even my family and my friends don't really even like me. So I re- like even though it's it's limiting beliefs are weird because even though I know that's not really true and if I was really thinking about it and like yeah yeah like it's dumb like I know people really like me. I know that I have love in my life. I know people do. But like sometimes you act out of the belief that no one really likes me yeah. because like I I don't know how to explain it but I'll maybe I'll show you when I talk about like this meditation. I think too the like limiting beliefs are tricky because before you realize you have them like I, I don't know I kind of think of limiting beliefs as like goggles that we're looking through. Yeah. More than a belief that I'm like oh I believe this thing or I don't believe it. Yeah, it's, it's more not like that cut and dry. Like in your case if you feel like no one likes you as as like a general limiting belief those are that's like a lens that you're seeing the world through mm-hmm. and you're operating out of that way and it's that belief is potentially affecting the way you do everything in your life mm-hmm. anytime you interact with anyone like the checker at the grocery store or like your best friend who invites you out to coffee or blah 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 like everything you do is affected by that and so then at a certain point you become aware of your limiting belief which is kind of what you're describing now when you have that realization or maybe someone explains something to you in a new way and you realize oh my god i i realize I have this limiting belief like that realization and that awareness is obviously the first step to like doing something about it but it is only the first step and mm-hmm. like you're saying you can be aware that you have that limiting belief but maybe you're not aware of how deeply it runs or yeah. maybe you're not aware of the myriad of like uh, of ways that that affects the way you see the world mm-hmm. you know and so in the beginning before doing like this inner child work or timeline therapy or whatever you're talking about before, like I feel like we had an awareness of some limiting beliefs and I'm sure all of you guys listening to, like you have an awareness of some of your limiting beliefs, but now you kind of need to take the next step and use that awareness and like do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's difficult. And I, I also think I want to say right now that like when I when I say my limiting beliefs out loud right now, I'm kind of like struggling not to like choke up a little bit because I think that when you say a limiting belief or realize one that's really important to you and you realize that, wow, this is really deep down affecting me, it is kind of like a little a little bit of a trigger. Like I think it like chokes you up yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh. But I want to try to have an attitude, an attitude of, and I think you all should try having an attitude of when you discover a limiting belief, be like, huh, that's interesting. Like now where did that come from? Or like, I'm happy I know that because now I can improve my yeah, life. Yeah. And that's not the first thought I have when I have, when I um, discover a limiting belief, but maybe that reaction of cho- being choked up is a limiting belief. And I need <laughs> to see 
you know, these uncoverings yeah. as, wow, like, yeah. that's cool. Like, I'm just observing myself as a person and that's not me. And I got that somewhere. Where did I get it? And let's get rid of it. Okay, let's go. That's perfect. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like totally. all peppy and Because stuff. I, I'm the same. If when I first started realizing I had some limiting beliefs, like one, uh, one for me a year ago was I had a realization that I like see myself as a victim all the time. And mm -hmm. that's like a majorly limiting belief that I'm like a victim to my circumstances. And when I first realized I had that, I wasn't like happy about that realization. No. I was like, like, oh, I oh suck. man, I have another, man. I have another thing to work on. I'm you know? so dumb. <laughs> like why, why am I not healthy yet? <laughs> well, oh man, I'm such a victim. Why do I have this victim mentality? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I wish my parents would have like been rock stars that could have teach whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know how If only this would have happened in my life right. and then I could have been here by now. <laughs> but I, I've an important shift that I actually um, learned this through Tully, who I was getting some coaching with at the time. He's saying that like the awareness, that is the victory, it, at least in the beginning. Like when you're aware of something new, that is a victory because up to that point, you were completely unaware of it. And so like the first step, even though it's maybe not super like exciting or maybe that doesn't accomplish a lot like becoming aware of your limiting beliefs is the most important first step and we should really celebrate that stuff like mm -hmm. we should be super happy when we realize something because that's one step closer to like unlocking that thing and and eliminating it or changing it or whatever you know you need to do with it yeah exactly it's yeah. kind of exciting yeah so it's exciting now i think we're trying we're trying to like be excited when we when we hear that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Every time I find a new one, I'm like, oh, yes, another one. <laughs> one step closer to right. being awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. So I've I've had this, I've discovered this new limiting belief sort of right before, and then we decide, all right, let's go meditate. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've set the scene. It's very nice. It's very calm. Good music's playing. I'm cozied up with yeah. a blanket. Mm -hmm. Dog's cuddling me. Starts licking his feet a little bit too loudly. I have to push him away. <laughs> All right, back to it. Feeling comfortable again. <laughs> All right, so as I'm like breathing, I'm just re trying to relax. And it takes a little bit because you have to settle your mind down, have a lot of thoughts, like you feel stressed. You're like, what am I doing? This is stupid. But like, okay, no, yeah, shut that up. Like, mind. take some breaths, keep calming down. Um, then I start letting my mind wander. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, probably, I want to do, let's go back in time. Let's find some kind of memory. So I drift back to a memory of when I was four. I Okay, so I don't really remember this memory necessarily. Um, and actually, there are two around this age that I visited. But there are a lot of photos of it. And so you know how when you have a lot of photos of a memory, you're not really sure that you remember it? But or if you are remembering what people told you about it and yeah. you see the photos, but that doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if it's real or not. You have this memory and that's what you're using to base your yeah, life that's on. A so, good point. so even if it's not real, even if it's what they told you, it doesn't matter. That's what you're going off of. That's so that's where you need to go fix. That's what you need to fix. Yeah, totally. So, so there's these photos of this memory and I was repeatedly told these memories. So the first one was at, um, one of my aunt's weddings when I was four years old, something happened that apparently caused me to be very grumpy and pouty. Okay, big deal. I'm a four-year-old. yeah. And I didn't want to do anything or talk to anyone. I remember this. And I remember I remember everyone telling me or or acting towards me, you're so grumpy or kind of making fun of me or, or my sister saying like nobody really like knew what to do with you because you were just so grumpy. And me and me being annoyed or like them being annoyed of me 
mainly my immediate family. And no one tried talking to me. I have that with like an exclamation point because I'm I'm realizing it while I'm meditating, like, why didn't anyone try talking to me? I'm four years old. I don't know how to handle my own emotions. And no one asking me how they could help me. Basically just, you know, being like, oh, Katie's grumpy. Oh, Katie's grumpy. You know, and that's kind of how I remember myself. That everybody, if I got grumpy, they just were like, ugh, she's grumpy. So um, I had this, I remembered this time and I decided to go in and I sat with my little self and I imagined being a parent figure to her. And I told myself that it was okay to feel grumpy and I asked why I felt that way. And I gave my younger self my full attention and encouragement and said that my family doesn't mean to make me feel worse and that it's important to talk things through. We have a lot of emotions and it's okay, like we as in me and her. <laughs> and then I remembered another, so so basically that's what I did. That, and That sounds so sweet when you're saying that. Yeah, it, it was, it was sweet. <laughs> and I felt like, and then at the time I thought, man, like this is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> just like why, just do it. <laughs> like just, literally. Someone just do this just, for me Yeah, as a kid, you know, uh-huh. but then, so like at this point I'm still like, you'll see, I. I think I bring forgiveness into it. But at this point, I'm like, yeah, like your parents, like they just didn't know what to do. Like, but I'm here and it's okay. And you need to just like let yourself feel these emotions. And also, it's okay to talk about them with me. There's no need to be embarrassed. Yeah. And in your like visualization, were you like in the church or whatever, wherever the wedding was, you're like in there with your younger self? Yeah, I could see, you know, like it's not like I was the kid, but I could see it from the picture point of view. Like I feel like I can... I have a picture of what that church looked like and me sitting on the steps being grumpy at the front of the altar, like after when everybody was taking pictures, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have this, this memory of it. So I was looking at it from there. So just tiny, like, like a five minute period, but I extended it to like, however long I sat there with myself. All right. So then I like, it kind of like, like dream sequenced away, like cloud away. And then I remembered another similar memory where I didn't want to be in a photo at Christmas and I was grumpy again. And I've posted this photo online. It's kind of funny, actually, like the picture of me being really grumpy. It got featured on Awkward Family Photos Yes, Instagram. it did. Yes, it did. And it's it was, a famous it was photo a hit. It was a hit. <laughs> um, so like I can definitely like make fun of myself for it. But I think like it's it was I just realized it was important to go back to this memory. So everyone was making fun of me again from uh, that I was grumpy. It's like a key theme in my life. That's um, making fun of me that I was grumpy, making fun of my grumpy face because I was making a very like um, just stereotypical grumpy child face. And my dad took a picture of it. So that's a picture that I have. So I wrote, when I think about it now, it's kind of funny, but I think it scarred me in a way and it really solidified my personality as a grumpy or contrary person. So I re- I had this realization while I was meditating, like, man, like that was funny, but like maybe this is why I think that I'm grumpy, that nobody likes me. And that if I have an emotion or if I'm angry, that People just don't want to deal with it. They just want to make fun of me. So I then again did inner child work. I talked to my younger self in a similar way as before. Um, but then I also, I've, I never tried this before, but I also imagined looking out from those little eyes from my four-year-old eyes and that I imagined my mom coming over to me and kneeling down. I'm trying not to cry and asking if I was Okay. And I think like, oh my gosh, I think that it was different because like imagining my mom, I feel like that's all I wanted. You know, it's one thing to do that as you're like, 
as yourself. But then once I imagined my mom, I like in the meditation, like literally started crying. And I imagined her coming over to me and saying, kneeling down and asking if I was okay, saying I didn't need to take pictures if I didn't want to and comforting me. And it made me tear up. I told, I can't read. (laughs) I told myself that I have always had so many emotions, but no one around me really knew how to help me express them or soothe them. So I would just have outbursts and then no one would take me seriously or would, or people would stare at me in shock with nothing to say. And I had, so I had this realization while I was meditating and it was like a huge realization for me that my whole life, I feel like I've been more expressive than everyone in my family, but like maybe in a negative way, but like nobody ever really was there to help me express myself. And I do remember lots of times where I was expressing a negative emotion, like feeling angry or frustrated and people just staring at me with nothing to say. And I was, and that like, that was like a huge realization for me is that, wow, like I really need to learn how to comfort myself or, or that that's okay. Or like that, that makes me feel the way that I feel today. All of these things. So at this point, uh, this was like a little intermission or something. I don't know what this was. A little image popped up into my head of a piece of glass. Okay, it's like trying to describe it. It, it was a piece of glass, I guess, like a window, and it was really, really dirty. Light. And then I saw this arm and this hand, and it was like wiping down the glass with a rag. It was going back and forth. Um. And so there was like a general layer of like scum and dust that it was wiping away really Mm -hmm. easily. But underneath it was leaving like spots that were like more stubborn or like that needed to be scrubbed away harder. And so I was watching and as the the hand would like scrub really hard over a spot, but then and then go to a next one. But some of them would reappear a few times and the rag kept wiping back and forth up and down. And I watched as the hand scrubbed away a tough spot. And I felt like it represented scrubbing away these two memories and letting them go. That was weird. Wow. It um it was it like this part, it's funny because it reminds me of when we were in church and like they you know, you would talk about getting a vision from the Lord. Yeah. And I even now like realized I mean, before this even I realized that like those visions aren't necessarily from like the Christian God, the Lord, like that. <laughs> our brains are weird and yeah i, <laughs> I mean I was there's more of a talking. technical there's more of a technical way to explain yeah. all of this but like as i was meditating like this picture popped up in my head and it was like it demonstrated to me in like a weird kind of like just perfect for me i love images like in this image way that like what was happening and i was like okay like maybe i need to scrub over some some of these spots a little bit harder yeah but like then i'm gonna release them and they're gonna be fine that is so interesting because if we were Christian and you had that experience, you totally would have felt like the like the Lord gave me an image yeah, or something, exactly. you know, and you probably would have described it in those terms. And it's great that we can still have that. And in fact, I feel like both of us are probably having more of those moments now than we did as Christians. Yeah, you know, but I we still can... feel like we kept our magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's great. <laughs> okay, so after that happened. I all of a sudden had another memory that just popped into my head. Um, And this one, oh gosh, it's like also it's, they all were exactly the same. So it was perfect. It was perfect to get this like 
to get this all out of the way in one meditation. Um, I remember feeling upset when my family would call me Katie Kaboom, which is a character from the Animaniacs cartoon. Have you ever seen that? Did you I've watch the anima- Animaniacs? I don't think I've seen, I mean, maybe I have. I don't remember Katie Kaboom. I know about it now, obviously, because yeah, of being talk- like around your family and stuff. But Yeah, so like, I don't know if anybody out there has watched this. I'm sure people have, but it's the Animaniacs are like, they're like two brothers and a sister, like weird creatures. I don't even know what they're supposed to be, but they like get into trouble. It's like cartoons, classic cartoon, classic material. cartoon yeah. material. But then there's, as part of it, there's different like skits or different characters. Like there were the good pigeons, like the God, the Godfather pigeons mm-hmm. or something. And then there was, um, I don't know, like all kinds of other things. Like, was there like um, a weird Martian guy that, uh, there was like a, I don't know how to describe it, but like there were different like sections of that cartoon with different characters and different storylines. And one of them was this character called Katie Kaboom. And usually they would just like last for, I don't know, it just seemed like 10 minutes or something. And in the Katie Kaboom section, like it's always the same story, right? Like it's a family and they're like, something's happening and it's like, it's normal at first, but then I don't even know what it is, but something really bad happens. And the Katie character, she like gets starts to get so mad and she like grows into like a monster and she basically ruins the house and she stomps on everything and every on the family's like super scared. So my family would endearingly call me Katie Kaboom. And I don't even know why, because I don't think that I actually got that mad. It sounds like so nasty now. No, like, I know it was a, like, a joke to them, but like if you think through it, like what is no what lesson was little Katie learning by having like your family refer to you as that? You exactly. Know? I think like it's it's hard because I think like I got made fun of a lot, but I just kind of like had to like laugh it off. Like I, if I ever said like I don't like this, it hurt. They're like, oh, it's a joke. It's a joke, and it's like that's it's like not a joke and i know that now but it's like there's nothing you can do like as a little kid especially yeah yeah or even now like i sometimes you want to go back and be like apologize to me to someone but it's you have to just let it go yeah for yourself Mm -hmm. it's not like really worth it at this point so um i remembered them calling me katie kaboom which all of this is like so ridiculous it sounds so weird to be talking about this cartoon that i was like likened to I wrote, I was ultimately a joke, but it made me feel really bad about my emotions again and sort of solidified my identity as being an explosively emotional, negative person. Oh, like, and and that having a negative connotation. So I spoke to my younger self again. So this self is a little bit older. She's maybe like in her tweens. Okay. Teen, tween, Mm -hmm. tween, teens, whatever. (laughs) What is that? Like 11? Yeah. Okay. 10, 11. Um, It's my younger self again. And I... I saying to forgive my family. Um, so I talked about forgiveness a lot. You, like basically what I was just saying, just got uh, let it go. Forgive them. Uh, side note. I think, f- I don't know what this, <laughs> I'm like finding weird things in my journal. Side note. I think forgiving people in my past who have misunderstood me or made fun of me is going to be a huge part of my healing. Just got to let it go. Dang. So I told myself that although I don't have anyone to help me hone or understand my emotions, that I didn't have that in the past or even someone to essentially be brave enough to comfort me because I did feel like there was this feeling of people were afraid of me, which makes you feel very alone because it, I mean that Katie Kaboom illustrated that because literally the family in that sketch were like afraid of her when she turned into a monster. Yeah. So 
No one is essentially brave enough to comfort me. I am and did learn how to do it myself. So I feel like in the meditation, I was like, hey, you learned how to do it yourself. And because and because I needed to learn how to do it for myself, that will allow me to be a good writer or be someone who can express and help other people find, I don't know, find or do inner child work for themselves. Or it gave me my strong intuition or my strong inner guidance because I had to like identify and think about these things myself and figure them out inside myself or comfort myself. So those thoughts were flowing out during this meditation and it felt like I was given a light bulb moment from myself. (laughs) Haha, I wrote. It made me see how my path has made me who I am and made me appreciate who I am. And now I can use my past as a strength instead of as a weakness. At the end, my mind said, it's time to focus on positive mantras. So I focused on joy and love radiating from my heart. And that's how I ended the meditation. That's amazing. It was cool. So you went through like three different distinct memories. And it sounds like you didn't really have like a plan of which memories you're going to go back to when you started. Mm -mm. Right. Yeah. But they, as you like quieted your mind and got into the right mindset, that stuff kind of just like popped up in your head Mm -hmm. and you went to each one and just addressed your younger self and like basically helped your younger self understand the situation from your current perspective. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's crazy because in a way it seems so easy. Like you're saying, it's easy, (laughs) but it also seems like so powerful. No, it sounds like it was super powerful for you. It was, it doesn't happen all the time. I feel like, I feel like sometimes I get really lucky with yeah, that. like you like, have good times and uh-huh. bad times, or not bad times, but like less productive. Exactly. Quote, like, times. yeah. But like the productive ones, if I'm journaling about them and only remembering them, you know, like it, it just, they seem like such a victory, mm-hmm. you know, instead of thinking about all the times that it didn't work. But oh, yeah. Like, I, that's why I write them down and I like going back and reading them again and again because it just reminds me that just of what I learned in them, I guess. And like how that it's possible to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, how it, how it really worked out. I just like, I laid down and I relaxed. I got lucky. Like I was thinking about that, um, sort of that limiting belief that nobody really likes me. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out where that came from possibly. I don't Uh remember. I didn't write that down, but like, I probably was thinking, you know, where did this come from that no one likes me? Or trying to think of like a memory that kind of from your past that fit that, yeah. Now, yeah. And yeah. you maybe don't need to think about the first time you ever thought no one likes me, yeah. but maybe like one that sticks out in your head. Yeah. Well, and like you said, or like you're maybe thinking of a memory that may or may not even be accurate to what happened in reality, mm-hmm. but like, it doesn't really matter because whatever you're carrying around in your brain, like is reality to you almost, it, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's really good. Um, I've had some really positive experiences with inner child work as well. And I've mentioned it. I mean, we've talked about it on here before, like the two of us. And when I was talking to Jamie Lee Finch, we brought it up some as well. Um, So I won't go through that again, but I just wanted to say um, that the way I've been kind of thinking about it and like the types of memories I've been trying to go back to um, come from this idea about how you communicate with children that we learned. Katie and I were watching this show on, it was called Transcendence. um, And it's a show on a prime channel called Gaia. 
I'm not really sure if Gaia, what Gaia is, but anyways, you know, on prime, there's like different channels you sub- mm-hmm. can subscribe to. One of them is called Gaia and it has a lot of weird, like new age spirituality stuff in it. Um, a lot of crazy, strange documentaries, blah, blah, blah. But there's a show called transcendence. And one of the episodes on there was about child development. And we ended up just watching it because it was part of the series. And in that episode, one of the experts said something that really stuck to me. And they were saying that when you're communicating with a child, Every time, every single time you communicate with a child, when you finish your communication, you walk away, whatever, you need to ask yourself, what did the child learn from that interaction with me? Not just my words, but like my attitude, my facial expressions, everything. Like, like what did they conclude? What, what conclusions did that child come to based on the interaction I just had? And if I'm not happy with the conclusion that they possibly came to then go back and like correct it with the child that's it you know like it's simple but you you need to be really like vigilant almost that anytime you're communicating with a kid especially to make sure that that kid is understanding like the holistic message that you're giving them in a positive way that's gonna like build them up as opposed to give them another limiting belief Mm -hmm. and so i've that idea kind of struck me and i've been thinking about that as i'm interacting like with our nieces and stuff and other family members we have who are young kids. But in addition, it's kind of given me a template for which memories to go back to mm-hmm. in my inner child meditations. Because if I, if I take that logic, I can, I can just think back in my memory, like what are, what are experiences I've had as a little kid that I know I picked up some limiting belief from. And like I said, maybe it's the limiting belief that like, um, that I'm, I'm weird because I'm into whatever blank, you know, I can go back to that memory and go and comfort my, my younger self by explaining to him like, Hey, you know, you may have like came to this conclusion based on this interaction, but like that person didn't actually mean that, or like they didn't know what they were saying, Mm -hmm. or maybe they weren't like emotionally ready to handle whatever the situation was Mm -hmm. and they took it out on you and it's not your fault. You know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kind of coming at it from that standpoint makes it easy to identify memories that potentially have like given you limiting beliefs or given you goggles that you're seeing the world through. Um, so yeah, Yeah, that's really good. I think we've both become like really aware of our inner child. And I think sometimes I kind of like cringe talking about it in a way because it feels like childish, you know, or feels like so juvenile or something like I'm an adult. I want to, I want to feel like an adult. I want to feel like confident and like, I know my way around the world and that I'm you know, sure of myself and all of this. And sometimes when I think about doing like an inner child meditation, it makes me feel weak or small or like, Oh, what kind of person like needs to go and talk to their, their younger inner child. But I feel like even that is probably like a limiting belief and something that's harming me overall because it, when, well, when I'm you're just it, afraid, you're afraid to tap into like these emotions that you love that. to keep buried. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that I've been keeping buried for years, you know, Mm -hmm. but in addition, I think it like when I'm saying it out loud, it makes me have compassion for my younger self because I'm essentially saying right now that I'm like almost embarrassed of my inner child. Yeah. Like of yourself. And like, that's so sad. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to feel embarrassed of him. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not embarrassed of him. I, I don't, I don't want him to feel like that. And that like that feeling of embarrassment is something that I've maybe carried with me through my life as well. And maybe that's something I need to go back and address, you know, so everything's linked. And I think it's easy to 
to say like, oh, that's, that's childish. I don't need to do inner child work or like these meditations having to do with my younger self and my past. But like by doing that, I think you're just kind of ignoring, like you're ignoring a younger part of yourself that is definitely buried inside. And Mm -hmm. that's probably having an effect on more areas of your life than you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're There's all nothing, for it. Yeah, it's like, it's like something that you don't really necessarily need to do, but it's just like, think about how much you could gain from doing it. Yeah, and like, it would, you don't, of course you don't need to do it, but yeah. like, do you wanna be carrying around baggage your whole life? Like, do you wanna be walking around with some thick ass, like, uh, wound goggles that you're wearing and you're seeing the world out of like all of these childhood wounds that you never dealt with. Mm-hmm. Of course, some wounds like you maybe need outside help to deal with yeah. like a therapist or a counselor or a coach or whatever, you know, but I think there's a lot that we can do on our own. And both of us have found like a really profound sense of autonomy and like personal power by being able to kind of heal ourselves in a way and be able to be the one who takes the initiative and goes back. And like, for me, I give my younger self a hug and I pull him close and I kiss him on the head and I say, you're so awesome. And his hair is so white and And his hair is so white and soft. Because that's how Joey's hair was. (laughs) And and I tell him I'm (laughs) jealous my hair doesn't stay like that because I would look like a freaking like Hunger Games character (laughs) with white hair. (laughs) it was that white still but anyways it, it's really powerful stuff it's it's had a really big impact on us and it's something that we try to do um regularly it I, is like to do actually it more, very you know? empowering you're right like yeah. that's one of the reasons why i like it so much is because like i think like in church and stuff you're always taught to like look for help outside of you mm-hmm. and and that just just was something i always just I don't know it just like, didn't resonate with me and I really really now love the word autonomy yeah. and I love that feeling yeah. so much and so when I like can find something inside myself or figure out oh a limiting belief on my own it makes me feel so free and mm-hmm. good and it's just all down to like I think like where your goals are and what you want to feel now like or what how religion made you feel before and for me it was like trapped or you know always being told what to do and so now i'm like i like figuring out on my own um it makes me feel empowered that being said i also do like getting help from other people as well i just like being able to do whatever i want definitely you know and like choose when i want help and when i can do it myself and i think that's like why it makes me feel so empowered Yeah. yeah yeah All right. Well, if you guys have never done inner child work before, first of all, I super highly recommend it. If, if this wasn't like, if our testimonial (laughs) wasn't, uh, encouraging enough, I'll give you more encouragement. You should do it. Even if it, even if it's 10 minutes as you're falling asleep, going back to some troubling memory you have in your past and like basically loving your younger self in the best possible way, in the exact way that your younger self needed love will, it may surprise you how powerful doing something as simple as that is. Um, In addition, we're actually going to be recording inner child meditations. Uh, We're going to do one with me reading the script and one with Katie reading the script so you guys can choose whichever voice you like better. Those will be on our Patreon. But basically, we wanted to make it really, really easy for you to create a little ceremony in your house, put some headphones in, and just follow along as we kind of gently guide you through a few easy steps to kind of walk you through this process um, in a way that should make it really, really easy for anyone to do it, even if you've never uh, done this kind of stuff before. So yeah, look out for that on our Patreon. And um, until next week, much love. (laughs) 